Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Um, I was going to ask how many of you have some trust issues this morning, but then I realized the crowd I'm talking to, you won't raise your hand because you're like, if I raise my hand, what's it going to make me do? Because you have trust issues. And so uh, we're going to dive into that this morning. I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for coming, for checking us out. If you're tuning in online, checking us out live, thanks for doing that. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at Harbor Church, and uh, I'm just glad that you're with us. I'm glad that you're here today. Some of you, this might be your first experience in church or your first time in a long time. Look. No lightning, nothing happened to you, you're here, and uh, we're glad that uh, you're, you're able to join us for kicking off a new series. If you didn't pick up on the theme through the songs, maybe you picked up on it in that video, we're going to be talking about trust. Um, specifically, this is something new for us as a church, we're going to do what's called a trust challenge, and that's uh, the next four weeks after today, so it's a five-week series. The next four weeks after this Sunday are going to be very specific areas where we're going we're gonna to try to grow in our faith and our trust in God. And uh, today we're going to speak specifically on the idea of trust, and then in the the following weeks we're going to dive into some areas where we can take some practical steps. But uh, in in addition to that, we've given you the opportunity to take notes today. Everybody's chair should have had um, a notepad and a response card, so uh, if you didn't get that, you can grab one from the chair next to you or wave your hand and usher will come bring you one. But um, you do not have to take notes. You'll go to heaven if you do. Um, that's not true. That's not true. Um, but uh, it, does, it does help you remember. They say you're way more likely to remember something, not only if you hear it. I'm going to help you with that part because I don't shut up. Um, or I'm going to help you see it. That helps add to your memory. But if you write it down, you're more than double likely to remember this than just me saying it to you. So if you take notes, it might help you out, uh, especially when we're talking about the idea of trust. And you want to know what helps you remember messages even more? Yes, tell us. That's a great response this morning, guys. Thanks for drinking your coffee. It's almost like uh, it's not the first uh, day of uh, the uh, NFL season. Like, we're not going to play tonight. Some of you are like, I don't know what's happening. I don't have enough energy to be here. We're going to wake up a little bit this morning, church. Um, If you hear it, see it, write it down, and then if you do it, it will really stick with you. So we're going to encourage you to try to take those steps as uh, we dive into God's Word. Um, before we do that, I just want to uh, do something really quick. This is a special treat for us this morning. Um, my dad and my brother are, are with us this morning. Uh, you guys have seen me. Yeah. You've seen me uh, bring up a lot of pastors, introduce you to pastors. A lot of pastors have, been, have played a role in praying for our church, and, and I have a lot of pastors that are mentors and, and coaches to me, um, probably none more so than my dad, who was my pastor growing up. Uh, he led our family, but he also led our church that we were in, and I know that he prays for us, and I know he prays for me, but I know he also prays for Harbor Church every day, and the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. So dad, if you'd stand, this is my dad. I love you. Thank you, Dad. I have seen pictures where um, when I was born, his hair was jet black. And so um, somewhere around my teenage years, it turned white. I'll blame my younger brothers for that. Uh, you'll get to meet one of them next week, but um, man, I'm just blessed to have him here as well as my, uh, my older brother, Jeremy, and you guys might get to meet them afterwards. Um, I do want to dive into this topic because there's so much to cover and we don't have a ton of time, so if you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen, but we're going to look at a really special story today in Matthew chapter 14. As we kick off this idea of trust, I thought, why not look at a guy who just 
like exemplifies this moment of trust that is so, so preached on. I've preached on it before. Um, we've talked about it before. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard this story before. Maybe you've never heard it before, but it's found in Matthew chapter 14. And it's the story of where Jesus walks on the water and then has Peter walk on the water to meet him. If you've never heard it before, it starts in verse number 22. And it says this, immediately after this, now when it says after this, it's talking about the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus does this miracle, and immediately after uh, the miracle, Jesus insists that his disciples get in the boat and cross over to the other side of the lake. And then, that, then he sent the people home. So Jesus sends the multitudes home, and he sends his disciples on a boat. You might have heard the story where Jesus is on a boat with the disciples in the storm. That's a different story. There's a time where they go through a storm, but Jesus is on the boat. Jesus is sleeping, and they freak out. You'd think they'd learn from that. This time they're in the boat, and a boat st- uh, storm happens, um, but uh, Jesus isn't with them because it says he sends them on, and then he sends the crowd home. Verse 23, though, before we get to that, verse 23 says, after sending them home, he went up, talking about Jesus, to the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. And I want to get into this trust, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you guys, Jesus embodies and exemplifies right here the need for personal devotions, the need for a personal prayer time. I talk to some people like, hey, well, what's, what's your prayer life like? What's your, what's your time alone like? I don't need that. Jesus needed it, but you don't. Okay. It's good for us sometimes to get alone. It's good for us sometimes to be, uh, have, have some private moments. Matthew chapter 6 a few chapters before this, in verse number six, Jesus actually talks about the idea, go and pray, uh, and pray in private. It says here, after, uh, it says, when you go and pray, go away by yourself. So there is an element of getting away, having a prayer closet. Maybe it's not by your bedside. Maybe some of you, I, I like to drive down to the beach. Maybe take a walk in the woods. Maybe you go sit on your porch. I don't know where you can find some alone time, but go be alone and pray to your father in private. And, and he sees everything, and that's, that's coming up next. But this idea that some of us can't even make time for God. Listen, I love that you're here today. I mean, trust me, I love that you're here at church. This should not be the only time you focus on God this week. Okay, this shouldn't be your only God time. All right, this is, this is like, like charging your cell phone. Some of you can't go a few hours without plugging it in because you're so worried you'll run out of battery. The spiritual walk is the same way. Get plugged in, read your Bible and pray. And do that not just on Sundays, do it on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and so on. Don't forget, Psalms 46.10 says, be still. Take a minute and chill out. Be still. Know that I'm God. How many of you have been, don't raise your hand. Some of you are like, right now, you're like, let's go, let's go. You know, and I get that, I get that. But how many times are you actually still during your week? Jesus models it for us. Jesus needed some alone time. I promise you, it'll help recharge your batteries if you just spend some time being alone with them. All right, that's not even the message. That was just a warm-up freebie for you. Okay, so verse number 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. So they're in the middle of this lake, and the storm, it says a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, you might think, well, these guys just might not be good sailors. No, we know that half of the disciples are fishermen. These guys grew up around boats. They're not inexperienced. They're not like just out there as noobs. They, they know what they're doing, and this is a heavy storm. The way that the topography is shaped, winds would come in and whip around these mountains, and it would stir up this lake so bad that it was known to sink boats 
just like that. The winds would just kind of bounce off and swirl up. And, and it was a very, very tough time when a storm would roll through to keep your boat afloat. So these guys get stuck in the middle of a storm, it says. And about 3 o'clock or the fourth watch in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. Which is an incredibly boss move. Um, but this, is, this, isn't even, this isn't even really where I want to get to. I just want you to see... First and foremost, as we talk about the topic of trust, as we look at, can I trust God? Do I, really, do, I really, do, do I really need this message series? Do I really need to, to, to think about my trust and my faith and what I'm doing? Here's what you need to walk away from. Every person in this room, you're trusting something. You're either going to trust God or you're going to trust yourself. And all too often, you and I both fall in the camp where we want to trust ourselves. What we think, what we've experienced, what we can figure out. Trusting God is a hard part of our faith. It's a hard thing to do. But you in here and you watching are trusting something. You're either going to trust God or you're going to trust yourself. And so as we say, hey, can I trust God? I think it's important for you to remember just in this verse alone, they, they leave Jesus on the shore and they go out. They must feel incredibly alone. They're not with the crowd. They're not with their rabbi. They're in the middle of a storm. Nobody else is dumb enough to be in a boat right now. They're out there like, what the heck? How many of you have felt that way in your spiritual walk? Maybe right now, don't raise your hand, but maybe right now you feel pretty alone. You feel pretty lost. You feel maybe abandoned. You feel as if though everybody's turned their back on you. You feel as if though there's nobody that knows how rough you have it right now. Now, you're not shaking your heads, but I know, that I, I know how it can be sometimes when, when you get in the middle of a storm. I don't know what your storm is. Maybe it's a finance problem. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a relationship struggle. But when we're in the middle of a storm... We begin to feel abandoned, we begin to feel forgotten about, and we sometimes begin to feel angry that God is, one, letting the storm happen, but two, that he's, he's abandoned us, right? I'm the only sinner in here? Start shaking your heads. Okay. If we, if we feel like that, look at this passage and recognize that God does, does, does not lose sight of them. They can't see God, but God can still see them. You may have lost sight of God in your life right now. You may be going through something right now and you feel like God has abandoned me. God has left me. God can't see me. God doesn't know what's going on. That's not true. That's a lie from Satan. He's telling you, hey, God doesn't care about you. You're in this storm and you're all alone. God never lose sight of them. God doesn't forget that they're there. God knows exactly what's going on. Proverbs 15.3 says that the Lord is watching everywhere. He's watching everywhere, keeping his eye on the evil and the good. Now we like it. If somebody's doing evil, if, if somebody's putting a storm on us, please notice that, God. And if we're doing good, we like, God, look what I'm doing. I'm helping this old lady across the street. Aren't I good? We like those. We don't really like the, him seeing us when we're doing evil, though, right? Like, uh, just pretend you're not seeing this. I'm just going to go do my own thing. We don't like that part of it, but here's the truth. God sees all of it. He sees all of it. And it says that he's watching us. And, and I think they could feel abandoned. They could feel left. But then Jesus shows up walking on the water. Let's jump into the story. In the next verse, it says, verse number 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they're terrified. They, they, they're, they're so taken with fear, notice that, with fear, that they cried out, it's a ghost. They think it's a spirit. Ah, oh, I mean, like you're out there in the storm and some dude's just walking along, just, just on, on top of the water. I got this. They, I mean, they've seen a lot as fishermen. They ain't never seen that. Okay, they're going, uh, uh, so they begin to freak out, and I thought about it, I said, you know what, a lot of times in my life, I'm afraid of the things that I don't understand, I'm afraid of the things that God might be doing that I just don't, I can't wrap my head around, 
When I look at some of the struggles I'm having personally, when I think about some of the, the events that have led from one thing to another, I just begin to, to, to really be afraid that, that God has fallen off his throne. That, that somehow God might have forgotten about me. That somehow this isn't going to work out. When I don't understand it, my weakness says that because it doesn't make sense to me, then it must not be right or it must not be something that God can fix. God can't handle it because I can't make sense of it. Nobody else? Because how, how, how arrogant is that? Because I don't understand this, I should be afraid. That's how, we, that's how we act, and that's why God says he's not the author of confusion, but Satan is absolutely a liar, and he's going to speak doubts, and he's going to speak fear, and he wants you to be so confused and so afraid, because the opposite of trust, the opposite of faith, is fear. And that's where he wants us to live. The storms are going to happen. Guys, listen, if you find a pastor who tells you that if you love Jesus, you're never going to go through a storm, get a new pastor. Okay, because that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say if you love God, you never go through a storm. These guys were hanging out with God doing miracles and that night they go through a really bad storm. It's not about the fact that storms aren't going to happen because this life, the Bible says this life is broken. This world is broken. As Kaylee said, this world is rife with sin. There are going to be issues and bad things. God says he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. That's the promise. Not that there's never going to be a storm, but that he's never going to leave you in the middle of a storm. So the very next verse it says Jesus goes, hey, uh, Jesus spoke to them at once. He, he picks up on their fear. He says, hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Man, what a superhero boss statement. Hey, guys, calm down. I got this. I got this. Right in the middle of your storm. This is the thing about God. He, he is not afraid to go walking into the middle of your storm. I'm in the middle of this ugly divorce, pastor. He'll walk right in the middle of that storm. I'm I'm fighting with my boss. I'm hanging on to my job by the skin of my teeth. He'll walk right into the middle of that storm. I'm I'm in the the depths of addiction. I can't shake this. I'm broken. God's left me. No, he hasn't. He'll walk right in the middle of that storm. Wherever you're at today, God will come and find you. This is what he says. He says he'll leave the 99 and seek out the one that's lost. God will, has come on a journey. That, it says that he left heaven to pursue you. That's the God we're talking about. We're not talking about the God that sits back and goes, oh, that storm's pretty ugly. He controls the wind and waves. He's not intimidated by your mess. And some of us have a dumpster fire of a mess that everybody else is too afraid to come near because we're jacked up. Start shaking your heads. God's not afraid of that. God's not afraid of that. Psalms 23, if you guys remember this passage, it's a beautiful passage, and it talks about the Lord is my shepherd. But then it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I'm wicked strong, and I know everything, and I can fix my own problems. Oh, it doesn't say that? Then why do we live like that? It says, even I can walk through the valley, the darkest, deepest valley, and I I can have no fear because you, thou, art with me. What an awesome promise about a God who walks into the storms. Guys, I haven't even started yet, okay? Here we go. I'm just kidding. Here we go, 28. This is where it starts to get cool. This This is where we begin to see trust exemplified. The next verse, Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, this is an entire weird <laughs> exchange. I just got to admit, like in the storm, the boat's bouncing. They're just way splashing. Is that really you? Peter, how many people you know walk on water, bro? <laughs> what the heck? Is that really you, Jesus? 
What did we talk about yesterday? Like, listen, I love Peter. I wish I was like Elijah, or I wish I was like John. I wish I was some of the other characters in the Bible. I just, I have to, I, I'm Peter. Sometimes we just say things, even swear words, and we're like, oh, shouldn't say that. Um, and he just like, okay, is it really you? If it is, if it is, he says, then uh, bid me or ask me, God, if it's really you, you tell me to come out walking on the water. What a, what a crazy statement. God, if you're in it, then I'll believe that anything's possible. There's trust. How many of you have had that prayer? Come on. How many of you have really said, God, I believe the impossible can happen if you're in it? This prayer changes everything. Peter doesn't walk on water unless he acknowledges that he needs Jesus in order to see the miracle happen. Come on. Some of you are sitting there going, I need this to happen. I want this to get better. And and I trust, I trust, I trust. Who are you trusting? The important part of that prayer isn't, I should walk on water, shouldn't I, guys? You want to see me do it? The important part of that prayer is, Jesus, if it's really God, if God is really in this, then a miracle can happen. When you begin to pray about things in your life, that should be the way you think about that. Not just, oh man, I hope things get better, I bet I can do this. If I'm just smart enough, or cool enough, or if I spin it enough, if I do this, if I can manipulate this, or if I can make this happen, or if I can get this person on my side, or if I can, if I can just get a raise, if I can just buy this, quit doing that. Say, if God's in it, then anything's possible. This is what he prays, is God, if you want me to, tell me to come out walk on the water. In the beginning verse right there, 29 says, yes, come, Jesus says. Yeah, come on. What a cool statement. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Part of his commandments is that we trust him. He says, yes, come. You need to understand, if you want to see God at work, part of trusting is obeying. I didn't see a whole lot of people writing that down. But don't tell me how you trust God when you're not obeying God. He's giving you commandments like love God and love others. And we spend a lot of time loving ourselves. He says, no, 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 if you love me, keep my commandments. I've commanded you to put God first in your life and then put other people ahead of you. Love other people the way you want to be loved. This is the great commandment. These are the great commissions. He says, go, tell other people about me. Those are what he's told us to do. And what we spend most of the time is like, I just wish God just made me feel better about myself. Come on. That's not what he's called us to do. He says, come, you better come. If he tells you to go, you better go. Obeying is how we get to the point of, exe- of demonstrating this trust. We don't really trust unless we actually take that step until we actually go out and do that thing. Hey, I got asked a question recently. How do you know if you should be more like Peter or if you should be more like John? Because Peter, Peter is the guy who when the soldiers come, he takes out a sword and cuts off an ear. And God goes, no, Peter. Bad, bad Peter. <laughs> he's like, oh, I thought I, was, thought I was doing the right thing. Peter's also the guy who's like, you're the son of God. And Jesus is like, yes. And then he chastises Peter because Peter gets all cocky and, and cuts off ears. Peter does some really brash, stupid stuff. Might be part of the reason I identify with him. <laughs> oh, come see me, you laugh. I'll give you a Bible character. We, we, we sometimes make brash decisions and do things that we shouldn't, thinking that we're doing something good. Peter does make some bold decisions, and the difference between bold and brash. One is you take courage and you do something that other people wouldn't do. 
brash is an arrogance that says, oh, I can do this. Peter battles between those two things and has amazing victories, like walking on the water. Find me another disciple who walks on the water. It's just Peter because he was bold enough to get out of the boat. He's also brash and stupid and does other things. How am I supposed to know if I'm bold or brash? Ready? What gets you closer to Jesus? Getting out of that boat, boldly getting out of that boat got him closer to Jesus. Swinging the sword wasn't getting him closer to Jesus. When you can't tell the difference between am I stepping out in boldness or am I being brash and arrogant? Is it, a, is it taking courage in God or is it being arrogant and stupid? Is it getting you closer to God will let you know if it's bold or brash. If it's the good Peter or the bad Peter. Is this a bold thing? This, this, this step I'm going to take, this, this decision I've got to make, is it making you more like Christ or less like Christ? That, th- there you go. The, the bold and brass thing is a hard thing to balance, but when Peter gets it right, it's br- bringing him closer to being more Christ-like. When he gets it wrong, it's usually because he thinks he's got the answers. So it says that he does that. Jesus says, tells him to come. He, he willingly goes out. What I want you to understand is that your faith... This step that you're taking is, is always going to be a next step of trust. So for some of you, you need to take the very first step, which means you need to trust Jesus as your Savior for the very first time. You need to invite Christ in, accept the fact that Jesus is the only one that can take care of your garbage. He's the only one that can forgive your sins. The things that you have done wrong that have separated you from God, you need to take the first step and put your faith in Him. Those of you that have done that, need to continue to take steps of faith where you grow. And sometimes that means getting out of the boat. The, one of our core values is growth. If you go on that hallway and you see our core values is growth because we believe the journey matters. We believe the journey matters. Our, our tagline is hope for the journey. Every person in this room, pastor included, has a next step to take. Nobody has arrived. As a matter of fact, if you think you've arrived, that just lets us know you're really not even that close everybody's got a step to take. Your next step might be getting out of the boat. Your next step might be admitting that you need Jesus, returning back to Jesus, putting your faith. In the next four weeks, I'm going to challenge you in four very strong ways to take a step of faith. You're going to need to do these things to grow on this journey that God's called you on, and it's going to require you taking one step after the other. Well, pastor, tell me the next 20 steps. Good luck. God's going to give you one. Trust me right here. Get out of the boat. Well, I want to know what happens down there. Take this step first. But tell me, take this step first. This is where we struggle. I know it's a struggle for me. Let's move on in verse 29. Not only does Jesus say, come, it says, Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. What? This is amazing. This passage, this verse says something that nobody else gets to do. And I can just imagine all the disciples, those trained fishermen, sitting in the boat and it's rocking and they're, watching him stick his leg over. Don't do it, bro. You still got your sandals on. (laughs) Good idea, you know. But I can see him, and they're like freaking out, and they're like, Thomas is over here. He totally doubts that it'll work. Like, get out. No, don't do it. You know, and and it's, you know, Matthew's over there barfing, you know, like whatever. (laughs) Peter's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We all had that friend, like, I should, shouldn't I? I'm going to do it. And we all had the friend that's like, you should do it. Not me, but you. You should do it. (laughs) We had those friends, or we were those friends. <laughs> I can just see him like, okay, I'm coming, I'm going. And he, it says he, he, he gets out of the boat. He goes over the side of the boat, and he lets go of the boat, 
And you could almost watch everybody just be like, <gasps> and he's like, water <laughs> and then he swings his other and he's just standing on the water and you got, I still to this day don't know why the other disciples are like I'm next you know like come. they're just like watching and he begins to walk towards Jesus if if this is if this story is lost on you I need you to kind of picture it in your mind and understand that as as we trust in God why am I doing a series? There's so many things that we could talk about as a church, but why do a series on trust? Why talk about this? Let's talk about something else. We've got so many areas that we need to cover. When we really look at what trust is, when we really lean into what it is that God's calling us to do when we put our faith in him, what we need to understand is that, that act of trust, that journey of faith, is what unleashes God's supernatural powers in our life. The Bible says, and this is, what, this is actually what Jesus is talking about, if you look in Matthew a couple, a couple of chapters down, he says in Matthew chapter 17, if you just had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Just, just what you can do with faith alone. He could have sat there in the boat going, well, I think Jesus is a pretty cool rabbi. Or he can take a step of faith and have a story unlike anything else. God shows up in a supernatural, amazing, miraculous way because one of his servants put their faith in him. Did something that demonstrated trust in something bigger than themselves. You looking for a miracle in your life? <coughs> Excuse me. You looking for God to do something at your workplace? In the heart of your kids or your grandkids? Oh, pastor, you don't know what you're saying. It's, it's a lost cause. It's so gone. Oh, so you're saying you need a miracle. Yeah, I don't, this isn't going to work. Oh, so you, you need something supernatural, huh? You need something that only God can do? That kind of stuff is unleashed when we put our trust in him. We don't get to sit in the boat and then have the miracle of walking on water. Yeah, you should write that down. Because a lot of us want God to do a whole lot of things in our life and for us and for other people and all this stuff. But we want to stay in the boat where it's safe and then see that happen. Well, if it happens, then I'll... No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. Take the act of obedience, get out of the boat, and then watch him show up in a supernatural way. Watch God do something miraculous in these relationships, in these environments, in these situations, because you're putting your trust there. Look at the next verse. It says that after he gets out of the boat, he's walking on water. Don't take that lightly. It says, but when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And I see this, and I probably identify with him more in this verse than I do in any of the others. <clears throat> Remember when we read the story a few weeks ago? I think it was during the Peeled series. Uh, we talked about the different kind of seeds that are scattered. Mark chapter 4, I think it's verse 19. Verse 19, it says, All too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. That was one of the seeds. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit was produced. It's so quick that that, 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 that thing that, that God is trying to plant in our life gets crowded out. Crowded out. Go back to that verse, if you would, please. It says, he, he's, as soon as he starts walking on the water, when he saw the strong wind and waves, when he took his eyes off of Jesus... As long as we have our eyes on Jesus, now I'm not the first one to preach this. This has been preached over and over again, but it needs to be said probably every single week. 
if we keep our eyes on Jesus, that's where this miracle happens. But when we begin to get crowded out by all the things around us, the wind and the waves pull his attention off of Jesus. His distraction led to his demise. Because there's a, there's a very fundamental truth that we find all throughout Scripture, and it's that faith lifts you and fear sinks you. When we begin to trust God, we begin to see these miracles, and this is where our faith lifts us up. If you feel as if though you're sinking or drowning today, <coughs> ask yourself, and maybe you write this in the notes, is there something I'm more afraid of than my faith is in God? Like, or is there something more powerful? Is there a fear that's more powerful than my faith? Is there something that is scaring me so much that has pulled my eyes off of Jesus, that has pulled me away from trusting in God? That fear will leave you with a sinking feeling. It will make you sink. This is something that Peter has to struggle through. He has to, he has to wrestle through this, this demise that, that, that happens because he can't focus on two things at once. Did you hear what I said, church? Can't focus on both. I can't look at the wind and the waves and Jesus. What are you, you cross-eyed? Are you, you, you're like, I got, I'm looking at Jesus over here. I'm going to look at this. No, that's not how your spiritual walk, walk, walk works. Walk works? Works, walks? You know what I'm trying to say. You don't get to, you don't get to do that. That's how, that's how you can tell that it's, it's not really this, this show that people put on their, their Instagram page. Don't tell me about how much you trust God when all you talk about is the wind and the waves in your life. Oh, that'll preach. You're not focused. You can't focus on both. Don't sit there and whine about all these things that you've got going on and be like, but I trust God. Okay, Peter, you're sinking. Don't. I get it. We all have problems and we all need to trust God, but you truthfully need to look in your own heart and, and decide which one am I focusing on? Because I can only focus, only focusing on one of those will get me to walk on water. The other one will make me sink. The next part is he says, save me, save me. He puts his trust and God more than he puts in himself. This save me thing, man, this is a picture that all of us need to learn. So I brought a visual illustration because I know some of you guys struggle with me just talking. You, you need to hear more than just that. So I brought a tandem bike. Anybody ever ride one of these? Yeah. All right. So these uh, you'll find in movies, not actually on the road a whole lot because they're not super uh, easy to ride or... Um, you know, I guess you have to really like the person that you're with. You're like, hey, would you like to look at my butt the whole time? <laughs> All right, there you go. Which may work for you, you know? So if you've never ridden, ridden one of these, the person in the front pedals and steers. And the person in the back, guess what they get to do? Is there a clumsy disciple? Because now I identify with that one. <laughs> All right. The person in the back only pedals. The person in the back pedals. They don't, they don't get to steer. I mean, you can move the person's butt, I guess. But like, <laughs> if you squeeze, if you turn it hard enough. But the person in the front steers. The person in the back pedals. Here's what we want with our, our spiritual life. We look at our spiritual life like a tandem bike. Hey, God, I got a seat for you. I got a seat for you, God. Here's what I need. God, I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to, I'm going to steer my life. I like, oh, I'm going to go over there. Oh, I like this. I'm going to go over there. Up, oh, slow down, break. Up, oh, up. Oh. We want to control everything. Which path, where it goes, we're the ones. 
We're the ones. I have enough trust that God can help me power it. Now, this is going to hurt. Let me see if I can do this without doing it. We want God's power in our life and still have the authority to call our own shots. God, if you'll supercharge my life, if you'll just bring miracles and blessings, woo! But I just need to still be the one calling the shots. I need to be able to put the brakes on. Oh, going too fast. I can't trust that much. Come on. You know, going down the hill. Oh, it's too scary for me. I got to call. I got to stop this. Got to stop it. Oh, God, that path doesn't look like it's going to work out for me. I'm going to go over here. As long as we get to call the shots, we love having our trust in God, don't we? That's not what salvation is. Salvation isn't God sprinkling on top of your life, your plans. Salvation is, God, I'm moving out of the driver's seat because I am not good enough to call the shots. I'm not smart enough to call the shots. And I'm not good enough to save myself. I can't fix my sin problem. I need a new driver in my life. Now, I would have brought a car up here. Yeah, you can make some noise for that. I would have brought a car up here, but I couldn't get it on stage. So a tandem bike is the best illustration you get. What I want is this seat. But real trust says, I'll take the back seat. They're like, oh, Jesus is my co-pilot. That sounds cool. But no, he needs to be the one in control. Real salvation, real trust is when God is the only thing that calls the shots. And you say, God, I can't do it. You can. You can save me. And it's not just about salvation. It's about him being the Lord of your life. That means he calls the shots. This is the struggle for us. We don't want God to call the shots. We don't want him to take the wheel. We want to do like half steer, half drive. That's not real trust. If you read on, oh, let, me, let me tag this in there because I put this up there. I always, I want to keep putting this verse, these verses in front of you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you don't lean on your own understanding, if you don't trust yourself, it says then he will guide you. Then he will show you what to do. He'll lead you down the right path when you get out of that seat. You, some of you keep like, Pastor, I just keep praying that God shows me which way to go. He's back there. You let him sit here, he'll show you which way to go. Watch what happens. God, save me, Lord, he shouts in verse 30. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out, grabbed him. Immediately Jesus reached out and grabbed him. I showed you this picture the last time that I I preached this message. Somebody gave this to me during the building campaign. I put this picture next to my desk because I had to look at it a lot. It's a unique perspective of a God who stands on top of our problems, but will reach right through them to pull us out. A God who jumps into a dumpster fire with us. A God who isn't intimidated by the things that are drowning us, but will immediately, when we put our trust in him, reach down and save us. Jesus doesn't stand there and go, well, Peter, I'd like you to go to church 20 more times, learn a few Bible verses, build an orphanage, and then maybe I'll do that. If you clean yourself up, I can say, Jesus, save me, blah, 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 blah. And Jesus goes, gotcha. Because here's the thing. Salvation, it happens in an instant. Heart change, just like that. Life change is different from salvation. It's sanctification. Life change takes time. Salvation, when when your heart changes, your heart goes, out of this seat, I'm out. I don't halfway drive. i just out. I'm out. Salvation. God, you're there. Learning to not try to come back and steer for him. 
That's the process that I'm on now. And it takes decades. For some of you, lots of decades. Listen, for all of us, it's going to take the rest of our life. But that's what God's doing. That's what God is saying. It says there, he goes, Peter, you have so little faith. Why, didn't, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me, Peter? You have so little faith. This is where people love to crap on Peter. Yeah, see, Jesus, Jesus gets down on him. Peter has little faith. I think you're missing the implication here. Peter, you have so little faith. Other 11, no faith. Look at what he did with so little faith. Do you understand? You understand the, the value of trust? So little faith, he walked on water. That little faith was something that none of us had ever seen before and haven't seen since. Just a little faith. It's better than no faith, but it's not as good as great faith or bigger faith. God's going like, look, look what happens with just a little faith. What do you think will happen with more faith? If you learn to really trust me, really let go, look what can happen. And he's saying, Peter, little faith, come on, man. And then he's looking at the other one, no faith, come on. It's, it follows it up. <clears throat> and he goes back to the boat. And it says, when he climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Here's the thing, when the wind stopped... It was, just, it was this sign that God was never intimidated by the storm. We know that. Because, and I've preached this message before, the storm is not the problem. Look at me, church. In this passage, the storm isn't the problem. Storms come. You're going to have issues. Bad things are going to happen to you. I love you enough to tell you that. I want to come alongside you as your pastor. Our church wants to come alongside you, help you. Because bad things are going to happen. Storms are going to happen. The storms aren't the problem. For those of no faith, you know what the problem was? The boat. The storm wasn't the problem. The boat was the problem. Why are you trusting that thing more than you're trusting me? Get out of the boat. Listen, you'll never walk on water if you don't get out of the boat. But uh, when I'm in the boat, I'll nod my head along with sermons about walking on water. And you'll never walk on water. Well, I'm in the boat. I'll, I'll, I'll agree in my heart that I need to trust Jesus more, and you'll never walk on water. There's something that Satan will whisper in our ear, this is what saves you. Hold on to this. Now, what was their occupation? Fishermen. Logic says the best chance you have of surviving that storm is to stay in that boat. And God says, you want to be close to me? Come on, come. Peter walked on water because he was willing to let go of the boat. Just took a little bit of faith. Can you imagine what would happen if he had a lot of faith? The no faith people are the ones that cling to the boat. Here's what I've put in your seats. I put a response card. Christian talked to you about it. If, this is, if you're new to Harbor, you can fill this out and get a, get a t-shirt today. We want to do that for you. Just that way of saying thanks. There's also some other decisions that you can make on there. I want to challenge you to maybe, maybe think about what it looks like to trust Jesus for the first time. Maybe the step of faith you need to take is what a lot of people are doing today after church. They're taking the step of baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is just a way of demonstrating that you've been saved. It's a way of going public with the private decision to accept Christ. Maybe that's the next step you need to take. But on the back, on the back of your card, it gives you a chance to actually take a challenge, to actually commit. Committing to, 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 to trusting God is not an easy thing because we don't even know what storms are about to hit us. 
But this card says, today I'm committing to take the trust challenge, asking God to grow my faith as I learn to trust him. That's going to take some guts. It's going to take you today understanding that the storm you're going through and the storms you're going to go through are going to scare you. They're going to have big waves and big wind. And Satan's going to tell you, stay in the boat. The boat is what makes you feel comfortable. The boat is what, what, makes you put your, what you put your trust in. And God's saying, get out of that and trust me. But if you mark that, if you really, and whether you mark it or not, I, I just want to want to know so I can pray for you. But I would challenge you to actually take it serious and say, God, grow me. Stretch me. It's going to scare me. It's going to hurt a little bit, but grow me. And if there's a specific way, maybe it's something I said, maybe it's nothing I even touched on today. But if there's a specific area, pray for me, pastor, as I learn to trust God in this area. I'm going to trust God with this thing. Maybe, maybe something you've never even admitted till right now. But you're going to get out of the boat and you're going to trust him. This is a challenge. This series is a trust challenge. See the kids, they cross their arms and they fall back. You're just trusting that somebody's going to catch you. I'm trying to help you grow in your faith. Will you take that step? Will you say, I'm trusting God? You see what happened at the end of that story? It says, when he got in the boat, when he climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. And the last verse says, the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. They worshipped him. What had they been doing up until that point? Freaking out. You need to understand that you can either worry or you can worship. Now that whole fear and faith thing, you can sit here and worry what that challenge is. What's pastor going to ask me? If I sign up for the, for the challenge, what's he going to ask me to do? Do I have to go to Africa now? What the heck? Like, I, I don't know. You got trust issues. I got it. I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm just asking you to get peeled back a little bit. Grow a little bit. Let God take you on a journey where the next step might scare you, but you know that it's better for you than if you stay in the driver's seat. You're going to either spend the ne this next week and the rest of your life on the side of the boat that worries or on the side of the boat that worships. Now, if Peter hadn't lost his faith, he could have been dancing on the water, and if I was Peter, I'd have rubbed it in the other disciples' faces. Look around that. One more reason I don't get to do that. But how cool would it have been if they had been worshiping during the storm? What a cool story if they hadn't been freaking out about the storm because they're like, Jesus is walking on the water. We love Jesus. You are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. And the rain and the waves, they just cut pouring and they're just bouncing on the boat and they're like, man, I'm trusting in God. So sweet to trust in Jesus. I hope you'll make that decision. I hope you understand what I'm talking about this morning. When I say trust in Jesus, some of you need to do it for the very first time. I am not saying that you believe that there is a Jesus. I'm not saying you believe that God exists. I'm saying that you go from a head knowledge about God to a heart knowledge where you say, God, come into my life and change me from the inside. I can't fix me enough. That decision, that putting your faith in God, that's the first thing you have to do. I have to trust Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, is what Ephesians says. Not of yourselves, because you would boast about it if you got to do it. You're putting your faith in him because he's the one that can do it for you. That faith is that word trust that we keep talking about. Some of you need to do that for the first time. Others of you need to do it 
in a way that makes you more like Peter getting out of the boat. Wherever you're at, will you pray right now at your seat and ask God to help you take a step? As I pray out loud, will you pray there at your seat? But if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Let's have a conversation with God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, and we, we thank you for the opportunity to pray to you. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you. God, we thank you for loving us. God, we thank you for the story of Peter. And although he, he only had a little faith, God, what an awesome story of what just a little bit of faith can do. God, I pray that it would inspire me and it would inspire every person under the sound of my voice to put a lot of faith in you, to trust you with more and more, to learn to trust you more every day. God, as we grow our faith, there's so many things that try to scare us. There's so many things that try to pull us away from you. God, I know Satan is a liar and he's whispering into the hearts of the people here today. He's whispering into their minds that they can't trust you. He's telling them that they're too far gone. He's telling them that there's no way home. He's telling them that there's no way that God can forgive them. God, I pray that you would speak to us through this story and through your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just break our hearts and pull us to you this morning, that we can trust you, that we can learn to let go of the boat, that we can, we can step out by faith, even into a situation that makes no sense unless it's through you. So God, I don't know the heaviness that are in, on the hearts of everyone here today, but I know you do, and that you've called us to put our faith in you, to trust in you. So God, as our response today, we, we admit that we need you and that we're going to do that. As best as we can, we're going to trust you. God, we thank you and we praise you. It's in your precious and holy name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.